Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, The Courtship of Miles Standish, Part 7, The March of Miles Standish. Meanwhile, the stalwart Miles Standish was marching steadily northward, winding through forest and swamp, and along the trend of the seashore, all day long with hardly a halt, the fire of his anger burning and crackling within, and the sulfurous odor of powder seeming more sweet to his nostrils than all the scents of the forest. Silent and moody he went, and much he revolved his discomfort. He who was used to success, and to easy victories always, thus to be flouted, rejected, and laughed to scorn by a maiden, thus to be mocked and betrayed by the friend whom he most had trusted. Ah, t'was too much to be borne, and he fretted and chafed in his armor. I alone am to blame, he muttered, for mine was the folly. What has a rough old soldier, grown grim and gray in the harness, used to the camp and its ways, to do with the wooing of maidens? T'was but a dream. Let it pass. Let it vanish like so many others. What I thought was a flower is only a weed and is worthless. Out of my heart I will pluck it and throw it away, and henceforward be but a fighter of battles, a lover and wooer of dangers. Thus he revolved in his mind his sorry defeat and discomfort, while he was marching by day or lying at night in the forest, looking up at the trees and the constellations beyond them. After three days' march he came to an Indian encampment, pitched on the edge of a meadow, between the sea and the forest. Women at work by the tents, and the warriors, horrid with war-paint, seated about a fire, and smoking and talking together, who, when they saw from afar the sudden approach of the white men, saw the flash on the sun of the breastplate and saber and musket, straightway leaped to their feet, and two from among them, advancing, came to parley with Standish, and offered him furs as a present. Friendship was in their looks, but in their hearts there was hatred. Braves of the tribe were these, and brothers gigantic in stature, huge as Goliath of Gath, or the terrible Og, king of Bashan. One was Pexuit, named, and the other was called Watawamut. Round their necks were suspended the knives and scabbards of wampum, two-edged, trenchant knives with points as sharp as a needle. Other arms they had none, for they were cunning and crafty. Welcome, English, they said, these words they had learned from the traders, touching at times on the coast, to barter and chaffer for peltries. Then in their native tongue they began to parley with Standish, through his guide and interpreter, Hobomok, friend of the white man, begging for blankets and knives, but mostly for muskets and powder, kept by the white man, they said, concealed, with the plague, in his cellars, ready to be let loose and destroy his brother, the red man. But when Standish refused and said he would give them the Bible, suddenly changing their tone, they began to boast and to bluster. Then Watawamut advanced with a stride in front of the other, and with a lofty demeanor thus vauntingly spake to the captain. Now Watawamut can see by the fiery eyes of the captain, angry as he in his heart. But the heart of the brave Watawamut is not afraid at the sight. He was not born of a woman, but on a mountain at night from an oak tree riven by lightning. Forth he sprang at a bound, with all his weapons about him, shouting, Who is there here to fight with a brave Watawamut? Then he unsheathed his knife, and, wetting the blade on his hand, held it aloft and displayed a woman's face on the handle, saying, with bitter expression and look of sinister meaning, I have another at home, with the face of a man on the handle. By and by they shall marry, and there will be plenty of children. Then stood Pexuat forth, self-vaunting, insulting Miles Standish, while with his fingers he petted the knife that hung at his bosom, drawing it half from its sheath and plunging it back as he muttered, By and by it shall see, it shall eat. Aha, but shall speak not. This is the mighty captain the white men have sent to destroy us. He is a little man. Let him go and work with the women. Meanwhile, Standish had noted the faces and figures of the Indians, peeping and creeping about from bush to tree in the forest, feigning to look for game, with arrows set on their bowstrings, drawing about him still closer and closer the net of their ambush. But undaunted he stood, and dissembled and treated them smoothly, so the old chronicles say, that were written the days of the fathers. But when he heard their defiance, the boast, the taunt, and the insult, 
all the hot blood of his race, of Sir Hugh and Thurston de Standish, boiled and beat in his heart, and swelled in the veins of his temples. Headlong he leaped on the boaster, and, snatching his knife from its scabbard, plunged it into his heart, and reeling backwards, the savage fell with his face to the sky, and a fiend-like fierceness upon it. Straight there arose from the forest the awful sound of the war-whoop, and, like a flurry of snow in the whistling wind of December, swift and sudden and keen came a flight of feathery arrows. Then came a cloud of smoke, and out of the cloud came the lightning, out of the lightning thunder, and death unseen ran before it. Frightened the savages fled for shelter in swamp and in thicket, hotly pursued and beset, but their sachem, the brave Wattawamet, fled not. He was dead. Unswerving and swift had a bullet passed through his brain, and he fell with both hands clutching the greensward, seeming in death to hold back from his foe the land of his fathers. There in the flowers of the meadow the warriors lay, and above them, silent with folded arms, stood Hobomok, friend of the white man. Smiling at length, he exclaimed to the stalwart captain of Plymouth, Pexuit bragged very loud of his courage, his strength, and his stature, mocked the great captain, and called him a little man. But I see now, big enough have you been to lay him speechless before you. Thus the first battle was fought and won by the stalwart Miles Standish. When the tidings thereof were brought to the village of Plymouth, and as a trophy of war the head of the brave Wattawamet scowled from the roof of the fort which at once was a church and a fortress, all who beheld it rejoiced, and praised the Lord, and took courage. Only Priscilla averted her face from this spectre of terror, thanking God in her heart that she had not married Miles Standish, shrinking, fearing almost, lest, coming home from his battles, he should lay claim to her hand as the prize and reward of his valor.